Reader's Digest presents Hollywood 360 with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man, thank you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry, man. Sam Spade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Guys! 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 Fellas, did we could listen to the radio or something? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including showbiz news, classic radio shows, movie reviews, trivia contests, and celebrity interviews. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure on Escape, starring John Daner. But it's time now for our quiz game, Stump the Host. Lisa Wolf will test my knowledge of classic radio by asking me a bevy of questions on the subject. And for every question I answer correctly, you'll hear that. For every question I answer incorrectly, you'll hear that terrible sound. And one listener will help me answer questions and win prizes. Lisa, say hello to our Hollywood 360 listener. I would be happy to. We have Gloria in the house today. Hi, Gloria. Hi, Lisa. Are you a big fan of classic radio? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Then you're just the one for the job, Gloria. All right. All right. Let's see how many she can get without my help. All right. Well, it'll be a team effort. Okay, guys? All right. All right. What was the title of the show with reporter Don Reed, who rode with police during the 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift, wearing a hidden wire to capture the high drama of the job? Mm, You're not going to know that one. (laughs) That's a tough one. I don't even know if I know it. Yes, you do. I think it was Night Watch. It was Night Watch. You didn't give me a chance to answer. No, you didn't. You weren't going to know that one. I wasn't? Okay. No. Okay, he knows what you know and what no, you no. don't know. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, I call her Ma because she's like my second Ma. All right. Well, I'm going to call you Ma then, yeah, too. Yeah, there's, there's Rosalie um, Amari, who is my biological mom, and then there is Gloria Lombardi, who is my best friend's mom, and I grew up with Shake. I call her Ma, too. But you're lucky to have a double yeah. mom. I and know. I call him son, too. That's right. <laughs> I'm jealous. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> okay, now just to make it a little bit more difficult, on Uh-oh. Nightwatch. Oh, no, forget it. Never heard the show. You've never heard Nightwatch? No. no, I never have. Well, I'm going to ask you it because it's my question. Go if ahead. you don't know it, that you don't Go know. Go ahead, it. make it quick because po- I'm not going to know it. Police reporter Don Reed accompanied what officer? What was his name? I don't know. It was Officer Ron Perkins. All right, you get one, and uh, we okay, got one. Okay, all right, all right. Did you didn't even give Gloria a chance to answer? We Maybe don't she know knew that it. question. I really, Maybe I really did. had no idea. Okay, all right. Okay, Gloria, on Nightbeat, Frank Lovejoy starred as Randy Stone, a reporter who covered the Nightbeat for what newspaper? What newspaper do you know? Any idea? I'll give you a clue. Okay. It was in Chicago. It was a Chicago paper. The Tribune. But it, it, no, it's, it was a, the Chicago Star. The Chicago Star. All right, we got it together as a team. You're a team and your team. Okay. On Our Miss Brooks, okay. Connie Brooks, mm-hmm. Eve Arden, was an English teacher at what fictional high school? What school did she work at? I just asked her that. You don't have to repeat it. Ooh, could you do like a <laughs> Asking her the choice? same question. Hang on a second. Okay, I'll this give is you for you, clue. Lisa. All right, hey, go ahead. I'm asking the questions. You don't have to repeat them. It was... It was... 
Oh, he's rotten, isn't he? There you go. That's for you, Lisa. Go ahead. I'm only going to talk to Gloria. Gloria, it was. This is also for you, Lisa. Gloria. Was it Lincoln? It was a high school. It wasn't Lincoln, but it, it, you're on the right track. Hey, she, she, that's a president. It's oh. a president. It was a president. I was going to say, if you'd let me speak, you're on the right track. It was a president. It starts with a letter M. President with a name, with the letter M. I'll help you. <laughs> M A. <laughs> it's Madison High. All right, Madison. move on. All right. yeah, there good. we go. Right. Wait, you got a ding for that one? Yeah, we got that right. Madison High. Yeah. I he, knew it. Okay, it. okay. God. Who was Miss Brooks' absent-minded landlady? Ah, Ooh. her landlady. Oh, you're really Did I say that? Do you know it? Do you know <laughs> it, Ma? i repeating everything oh. I say. No? Give me a hint. Mrs. Brooks. No, oh. that was who, that was her name, <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Brooks. Stay on Mike. Stay on Mike. You're you're trailing off Mike. Okay. 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 Mrs. Davis. That's right. Mrs. Margaret Davis. That is absolutely correct. Right, and this right. doesn't count, but you know who played that role? Uh yeah. It's um, just for fun. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Gloria McMillan, maybe? No. no. Who was it? It was Jane Morgan. Yeah, Jane Morgan. Yeah. Okay. And Mrs. Margaret Davis has two trademarks. Hmm. Ah. Uh, well, I don't know. She has a cat. Minerva. Minerva. Right. And she always whips up exotic, often inedible breakfasts. That All right. was her that's thing. True. Yeah, that's yep. true. All right. Those are her trademarks. Very cool. Okay, very cool. All right. Okay. Who owns a boat shop on Pier 19 where he rents mm. out boats and does odd jobs to make money? Who owns a boat shop? <laughs> she doesn't hear you. She I hears hear me her. just fine. I just All don't right. know the answer. There you go. <laughs> uh... <laughs> So there was a couple people, but I think it was Johnny Madero. Well, what is the name of the show? Johnny Madero Pier, Pier Twenty Three. Okay, I- I'll accept that. But that was and when there was also Jack- Pat Novak for right. hire. But exactly. That's why I said there was two shows. Yes, you're absolutely right. All right, Jack okay. Webb played both of them. And when Jack Webb moved to LA that's to right. work on Johnny Madero <clears throat> Pier Twenty Three, Webb was replaced by what actor? Um. Wasn't Paul Dubois, right? It was not. Um, but I know you know your stuff here. Bream, somebody Bream. It's Ben Morris. Oh, Ben Morris, right? Okay. Yep. Yep. And when he takes on, when Pat Novak takes on odd jobs, okay, he goes to see the only honest guy I know, is what he yeah. says in quotes, an ex-doctor and a boozer named Jocko Madigan. Yes, that is right. And who played Jocko Madigan? Do you know? I don't really. You know. don't have to really no, know. I just no, thought I'd. No. Extra bonus credit. Gloria Lombardi? Yes, absolutely <laughs> correct. Gloria and Tudor Owens. Yeah, Tudor Owen, right. <laughs> it's all good. Perry Mason, the radio. That's the last question. Okay, Perry Mason, the radio series, mm-hmm. was adapted into what, which ran on television for an additional 30 years? Oh, yeah. Was adapted what? What was the title of the show that it was called when it was on television for it? 30 years? Perry Mason. Yeah. Well, there was a radio series that was adapted into a television show. Raymond and it had Burr a different, played. Yes, yeah. but it had a Raymond different name. Raymond Burr. No, it wasn't Ironside, Ed. No, yes. it was not. No. No, it was not. No, it was it's called The Edge of the Night. No, have no, no I do what? not believe so. I will. The, the Perry Mason television show yes. was called Perry, Perry Mason. Mason. Yes, but there, it's, I, 
I'll, I'll look it up and I'll, I'll, uh, That's I'll okay. give you the info when we're well, done. Well, Lisa, good right. job. Thanks, Carl. And, uh, Gloria Lombardi, good you job. Did a great Glad job. you helped me out. Not there. bad. Ed, you did terrible. All right. <laughs> when we come back, it's escape. Stick around. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. Escape premiered in 1947 and was one of radio's best anthology series promising and delivering stories of high-quality mystery, drama, and intrigue. Escape offered listeners just that, an escape from life's everyday grind, freeing you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Like its first cousin, Suspense, Escape stories involved protagonists in life-or-death situations and featured radio's finest writers, directors, producers, and actors. It enjoyed an eight-year run bowing out in 1954. All right, Lisa, it's time for Escape. This is from July 18, 1948. It's called Habit, and it stars John Daner. John Daner was paladin on radio. He did a ton of voiceover work. And this is a, a story based on uh, the, uh, a story by... F.R. Buckley, and it's heard on CBS. Let's tune into part one now of Escape. Fed up with the everyday grind, tired out from the summer heat. Want to get away from it all? We offer you Escape. Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You are clinging precariously to a diving, pitching longboat, lashed by mountainous seas in the middle of a hurricane. And at the helm, driving you on, is a man bent on revenge and willing to kill for it. Tonight, we escape to the open sea with an ancient tramp steamer and its fighting captain, as F.R. Buckley told it in his ironic story, Habit. Very well. The court has no more questions. Step down, please. Thank you, sir. I mean, uh, Your Honor. Well, Captain Weatherfield, you've just heard the complaining witness. Have you anything to say in your own defense? Yeah. Hit the man about a bit. No doubt of that, Your Honor. Back with half chance, they'd have pounded his blasted head off. <laughs> Quiet. Quiet. We'll have order in the court. Then you admit the charges, Captain Weatherfield. That I hit him? Yeah. But I had extenuating circumstances, Yana. I see. And what were they? He laughed at my ship. At the Wakelin, Your Honor. As fine a freighter as ever steamed out of here on the Liverpool run. I don't quite see. He stood there on the wharf. Squint-eyed son of a landlubbered lawyer. He said my ship looked like an old woman with her dress on backwards, her hair not combed. That's what I flattened him out. Yes, and I still say that's what she looks like. Order! Why, you confounded little pipsqueak, I'll break your apart. Sit down, Captain Weatherby. Grab him, bailiff. Let go of me, confounded, let go of me. Let go of me, I say. Order in the court. Captain Weatherfield. Captain Weatherfield, this court finds you guilty of assault and battery as charged and sentences you to seven days in the no-Bristol city jail. All right, Baylor, lock him up.
And that's the way it started, with the captain getting seven days in the New Bristol jail. Yeah, but it went a whole lot further before it was over. It was like a bolt of chain lightning that may take a dozen strange turns or more before it finally strikes home. And uh, actually, of course, <laughs> the Wakeland was a funny-looking old scow. She'd had 30 years on the North Atlantic with never a part being replaced so long as there was some way of patching it up. Yeah, she was a regular joke of a ship. That is, to everybody except Captain Weatherfield. And those of us who were officers aboard her had learned a long time before not to hint anything like that to him. No, she was the Queen Mary in the Normandy and his firstborn child all rolled up into one. So you can bet your life we all kept sober faces when the captain finally came aboard at the end of the week. Mr. Connolly? Yes, sir. Well, everything in order? Will we be able to sail in an hour? Yes, sir. I've been keeping her ready for the last four days, just in case... That will do. uh, I'm uh, fully aware that we're four days past schedule. And the reason for it will not be discussed on board. Is that clear? Yes, Captain. Been badly treated in this town, Mr. Connolly. Thrown behind bars like some thieving dock rat. I don't feel good about it. If it takes me the rest of my life, I'm going to even up the score. You understand that? I, uh, think so. You think so, sir? Yes, sir. All right. Then button up your collar and go get up ahead of steam. So three days later, we were plowing through a heavy sea 580 miles out on the Atlantic. The spray was freezing in the rigging. We were flirting with the fringe of a northeast hurricane. Blast this double blasted confounded wind. Mr. Connolly. In here, Captain. Uh, well, how's she looking, Mr. Connolly? Oh, not so bad. We're taking the seas in our quarter, and so far we're making only about four inches of water an hour. Four inches of water an hour, sir? Yes, sir. Good. Uh, then we'll take a chance on it. We'll take a chance on what, uh, sir? A distress message. Just picked it up in the wireless shack. Oh. Here, take a look. Mm-hmm. The freighter Johannes out of New Bristol. Main shaft broken, auxiliaries out of commission, shipping water fast. Latitude 4630, longitude... Uh, let me see. Yeah, yeah, about 90 miles from us, north and west. Yeah, that's right, Mr. Connolly. Lay out the course. What? We should sight her sometime around dawn. If we hold to full speed all night. Full speed? Dead into a hurricane? Why, the Wakeland would fall apart in two hours. I doubt it. He's a good ship. Lay out the course. Yeah, but the Johannes is right in the main shipping lane. Somebody else is bound to pick her up before morning anyway. Mr. Connolly, we can hope not. What do you mean, uh, hope not? Evidently, you didn't notice her registry, Mr. Connolly. She's out of New Bristol. Oh, what of it? That, as you may recall, is the town that threw me into jail. Gotten all the papers. Like as not, my daughters up in Maine have probably read about it by now. I'll not have them thinking their father's a man who does nothing but go around punching people in the noggin. All right, but what's it got to do with this? I'm going to be alongside the Johannes before anybody else is, Mr. Connolly. I'm going to rescue every man aboard her. Then I'm going to take them back to New Bristol... 
and get a public apology out of that town. And I'll see that that gets in the papers, too. I've never heard of anything so crazy in all my life. I don't care what you've never heard of, Mr. Connolly. Lay out that course now before I get mad. Decide to punch somebody's blasted head off. Well, the little cock of the walk made good the first part of his plan all right. In spite of a broken steam injector that had to be patched up with rigging wire, by shortly after dawn, he had us hove to, a half a cable length off from the Johannes. She was down by the stern, listing badly, but still afloat. The wind was howling like a banshee, and the flying spume was freezing all over our decks. There was no doubt but what the next part of our job was going to be a lot tougher than the first part. Mr. Cuddly! We got a boat crew together. Yes, sir. There'll be five seamen and a third mate. I'll take charge myself. Leave the third mate aboard. I'll take charge myself. It's my show. I'm going to run it. All right, Captain. Whatever you say. Well, let's hold this up. Let's get this boat over the side. Not so frozen, Captain. Carpenter's trying to break it loose. Well, he's not cracking walnuts at a tea party. Here, Chips, give me that mallet. Uh, Mr. Roberts. Yes, sir. You'll stay on board. Yes, sir. Keep an oil slick running. Waves out there. Uh, pretty high. Pretty high? Huh. I haven't seen him any higher. Well, I can't help it, Mr. Connolly. I've got... Uh, uh, there, Deputy. Well, still ready. Ready aboard, sir. All right, For the seven of us who went overside in the longboat, that command was the beginning of a nightmare. If things had been bad up on the Wakeland's deck, they were a hundred times worse down there in the very midst of that smashing, that tumbling maelstrom of water and wind. A continuous driving spray was torn from the wave crests and froze solid on the gunnels and the boat seats and on our faces. One man bailed constantly while the others pulled away on the oars with bleeding hands. And even then, we were never far from foundering... Captain Weatherfield sat in the stern and shouted orders none of us could hear, but we could see his face, and that was enough to keep us at it. With a halo of sheet glass round his sou'wester and his gray beard turned to a frozen mass of jumbled icicles, he looked like Neptune come to life, or maybe even more like, like the devil himself. All right, Lisa, that's the first portion of Escape with Habit, starring John Daner from July 18th, 1948. We'll get back to that in just a few minutes. So what do you think? Pretty good, huh? Yeah, and there's that organ again. There it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is based on the ironic story by F.R. Buckley, and uh, the cast includes Louis Van Ruten, Barry Kroger, Wilms Herbert, and Bill Boucher. All friends of yours, I think, right? You used to hang with all these guys back in yes, the I'm an 1940s. Old, I'm an old soul. Yeah, this this was like your drinking buddies, right? All these guys here back yeah, in I'm 1948. I'm not much of a drinker, but we did used to yeah, hang out. Used to and play see. cards. So I do with like them. to play cards, especially yes. that Louis Van Ruten. He was something, wasn't he? Was he was a player. The stories that guy would I'm tell. I'm telling you, that guy was something else. He was a kidder, wasn't he? Oh yeah. Gosh, he always had a story. Remember? 
Oh, sure. Were you, you there? Know? Yeah, I was there too. Me I and don't you both. We you used to all. take them out to uh, have a bite to I eat. I used to go out with them. I don't recall right. you being there. No, I was there. I don't, you must have just uh, yeah. vanished. Somewhere. I, you know, but I was insignificant. Yes. So you didn't even notice me at the Dust. time. But I was there. Yeah. I was one of the guys playing cards with you. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, we'll get back to Escape in just a few minutes. I want to remind our listeners that um, we have not only a Facebook page for this radio show, which uh, somehow, however Facebook works, you just go to Facebook and search us, Hollywood 360 Radio, that's our show, or that's our Facebook page, I should say. <laughs> it's our show and our Facebook And then page. we have a website for this program, which is... You log on, whatever that means. You log on. I'm learning these catchphrases. You learn, you log on to the internet. And however that is, you just connect to it in some way with a computer. You log on. You turn the computer on and then you log on. And then you type in www.hollywood360radio.com. And then it pops up. It's Isn't a crazy, it amazing? It's, it's just a crazy, crazy thing. Al Gore had something to do with it, I think. <laughs> I think that he invented it. it. I think yeah, so. I heard he did. I think you're and right. And he, in between the global warming right. and then the and then the, so he did it. I don't know. All right, so this is another Jim Caviezel movie. Take a listen. 2002 action adventure drama. I didn't quite understand why you were betraying him, but now having seen his exquisite fiancee, I understand completely. All right, this is a great movie with Jim. He's terrific in this. 2002 action adventure drama. Guess what this is? I didn't quite understand why you were betraying him, but now, having seen his exquisite fiancée, I understand completely. All right, what movie is that? Call us, win some fabulous prizes. Toll free, 855-360-H360. The H is a four. Call us toll free. And call right now because the phone lines are open. Toll free, 855-360-H360. Win some fabulous prizes. We'll be right back. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. All right, this is a movie starring Jim Caviezel from 2002. Take a listen. I didn't quite understand why you were betraying him, but now, having seen his exquisite fiancée, I understand completely. And here is Stan from uh, Oak Lawn. Hey, Stan, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? All right, we're really good. You know this movie? That would be the Count of Monte Cristo. You are absolutely right. Way to go, Stan. You're a big winner. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. All right. Stan knew it. Count of Monte Cristo. Jim Caviezel, along with Guy Pierce, Richard Harris, and Henry Cavill. Now, Henry Cavill, who played his son in this movie, later turned out to be Superman. He's our, he's the Superman in the movies now. So uh, interesting because Jim Caviezel actually tried out to play Superman too. Ah, uh, we talked. We but talked about it a little bit earlier. They said he was too famous. He's too famous. Arnold Schwarzenegger turned down the role of Edmund Dantes when the film was in early stages of development, and then, um, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger turned it down, and then Jim Caviezel accepted. Yeah. He did a great job. Jim was fantastic in this movie. Count of Monte Cristo. Check it out if you haven't. All right, let's get back now to Escape. It took us over two hours before we finally hauled in against the rusty side of the battered old Johannes. Ahoy, the deck! Hey, sir! In what, you? You'll have to jump for it. Can't use a ladder. Sea's too heavy. Understand! 
already here. Wait till we come up on a swell. We'll hold as steady as we can. Then by now. No, not yet. Lord, he fell on the gun. Blasted fool told him to wait. He smashed in his chest. Why, it's the captain of the ship. Then he had no business jumping fast anyhow. Haul him aboard, Mr. Connolly. Get him out of the way. All right. Ready on deck? Aye, aye, sir. All right, there. Steady. Now. Good. Stole that man aft there. On deck. Wait, this well. Wait, wait. Now. Get him, Connolly. A blast to see. You on deck. Jump now. Wait. You better help him out there. Here comes another. Catch him, catch him. Pull him in, Connolly. Good. Back horse, you. Stand by. Pull him out, Blanker. Here comes another one. Hold steady. Keep one or against the side there. Anybody else up there, mister? No. No, sir. Six of us. Others lost overboard. Last night. All right, then. Back off the oars. You there, Polano. Get a hold of that oar. He, he can't do it very well with with only one arm, Captain. What do you mean, one arm? He broke his arm a couple of minutes ago when we bumped aside. Then give him a bucket. At least he can bail. All right, let's go. It was six hours before we finally got back aboard the Wakelin. But we did get back. And I doubt if any other man but Captain Weatherfield could have done it. True enough, he fainted across the engine room hatch once we were on board. But uh, I don't forget, he was 72 years old. He'd taken a crew of six out in an open boat on the high seas in the middle of a hurricane, rescued six more men off a sinking ship, and brought the whole 12 back alive. Well, one of them, of course, was only barely alive, and that was Captain Miller of the Johannes. He was still unconscious. I had him put in a bunk and hoped for the best. And then I turned in to grab a few hours' sleep. I guess it was sometime after midnight when the third mate called me. I got dressed, went down, woke up the captain. Confounded, Mr. Connolly. Uh, can't a man even close his eyes aboard this ship without somebody rousing him out of his bunk? I'm sorry, Captain. Thought you ought to know. Uh, Miller's conscious now and wants to see you. He thinks he's, he's dying. Dying, is it? Yeah. I'll see about that. Where's my pants? Uh, uh, here you are, sir. Uh, thank you. Yeah, might be a good thing if Miller did die, uh, according to his first mate, Larson. Huh? Well, Larson says they uh, they had plenty of warning of this storm, but Miller drove straight on into it. He was racing for port. Oh, racing for port. Yeah. Bad business. There'll be an inquiry on it. He'll lose his ticket when they find out. It's also bad business, Mr. Connolly, when first mates talk out of turn. <laughs> Come on. Where is he? I put him in the cabin off the wardroom. The third mate's in there with him now. Mm-hmm. How is the ship heading? Due south. Due south? Well, we're running before the wind. Can't do anything else. I told you, Mr. Connolly, to lay a course for New Bristol. I know, but we can't do it. The main boiler's out, and we're on the auxiliaries. It may take two days to fix it. Ah, confound the luck. Risk my life to rescue a man. Tries to die on me. Now that bonehead engineer's let the main boiler break down. That's not his fault. It should have been replaced five years ago. Five years ago what, Mr. Connolly? Five years ago, sir. Good. 
here we are. Oh, glad you got here, sir. I was getting worried. It's all right, Mr. Roberts. Here, stand back a bit and hold the light up. Yes. There. Fine. Evening, Captain Miller. Evening, Captain. You're in some pain, I take it? Yeah. Feels like something sharp. Stick in my chest. Getting worse. Hmm. Something sharp, eh? No doubt the broken end of a rib poking into your lungs. Yeah. 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 Guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Feels like there's a rib gone here. Uh, oh. Uh, well, I want to make a s- statement for the log. Oh, I do. I figure you're getting ready to die. Is that it? Yeah. Not much chance. Shouldn't I? Shouldn't I jump first? No, I shouldn't have. Understand you was racing for pot. Drove straight into the storm. Yeah. I had to. It's my wife. Her first baby. I wanted to be with her. What's he saying, sir? His wife's thinking of having a baby, Roberts. Oh. Statement. Responsibility. We'll discuss that later, Captain. <laughs> that lung gets a hole punched in it. You're done for. Well, he's practically done for now. You know, Mr. Connolly, I saw a doctor open up a man once and take a broken rib out of him. I think I can remember fairly well how he went about it. And there ought to be some chloroform on board. Captain Captain Weathers... You shut up, Mr. Connolly. Uh, Captain Miller, it's one chance in a million, but you've got no chance now. How about it? Anything. Doesn't matter. Be an inquiry report. Better to die. Well, we'll worry about that later. All right, then. Go find that chloroform, Mr. Roberts. Yes, sir. And bring me a bar of soap. Yes, sir. And get a couple of them little knives, uh, whatever they call them, out of the medicine locker. Yes, sir, right away. Uh, Mr. Connolly, go wake up that first mate of his. Get him in here. We'll need a witness to Captain Miller's consent. All right, sir. And Mr. Connolly. Yes, sir. Find chips and borrow his chest of tools. Never can tell what you'll find when you start to open a man up. Ten minutes, we had everything ready. Larson signed a statement, swearing that Captain Miller had agreed to it. And the third mate, with his face white as a sheet, stood at the head of the bunk, dripping chloroform under a towel and holding it over Miller's nose and mouth. I held the light in one hand and kept the other on the patient's pulse while Captain Weatherfield rolled up his sleeves and... Started in on a major operation that he thought he'd seen some doctor perform once. Everything snug and proper. How's he seem to be getting along, Mr. Connolly? Uh, I don't know. He's still breathing. I know he's breathing, man. It's his chest I'm operating on. How's his pulse? Pretty weak. Uh, no worse than it was. Hmm. Keep that chloroform dripping, Mr. Roberts. Yes, sir. Well? <clears throat> There's no time like the present. Oh. oh! Hold that light steady, Mr. Conley. Yes, sir. Steady yourself. Now, let me see. I think that doctor did it like... like this. Hmm? I've used up half the chloroform, Captain. Keep it dripping, Roberts. Well, well now. 
Don't remember anything like that being in there. Let's see now. Uh, pulse is getting pretty weak. Mr. Connolly, don't bother me. Got more important things here to think about. Mm-hmm. That's it. Here's the end of the rib, all right. Now, if I can uh, just... That's all right, let it go. Don't need the knife anymore. Confound it, Connolly. Give me a little more room to work here. Cabin small enough stairs. Captain, his pulse has stopped. No, it hasn't, Mr. Connolly. Now, now where the devil doesn't that rib come loose when I... It's no use, Captain. He, he's dead. His heart stopped beating. Mr. Connolly, don't stand there. Try to tell me his heart stopped when I can see it beating right now. Mr. Larson. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, would you look at that tool chest behind you? See if you can find me a pair of pliers. I doubt if there's ever been another operation like it before or since. By all rights, Captain Miller should have died ten times over, right there on the bunk. Only he, uh, he didn't. He was unconscious for 48 hours. But on the fifth day, he was sitting up on a deck chair and cussing because somebody had slung his broken rib overboard instead of saving it so he could whittle out a letter opener. We were driven 600 miles to the south before the storm blew itself out and we got the main boiler back into operation and could lay a course for New Bristol. And three days away from port, Captain Weatherfield called all of us officers of the Wakeland together in the chart room, along with First Mate Larson of the Johannes. Gentlemen, <clears throat> there may be some questions in your minds in regard to what this meeting is all about. No doubt you're wondering, even if you aren't asking. Am I right? Well, yes, sir. We have been trying to guess. Then I'll tell you, gentlemen. <clears throat> I called this meeting to put a stop to certain idle rumors which I hear have been floating around. Uh, just what kind of rumors, Captain Weatherfield? Them which says that Captain Miller, of late ship Johannes, deliberately drove head-on into a storm while racing to make port. <laughs> There's no rumor about that. It's what he was doing. As his first mate, I should know. And I say he wasn't, Mr. Larson. <clears throat> the way I figure it, got caught by the storm without any warning. He gave orders for full speed to try to beat out of it. A couple of hours later, main shaft broke... Left him helpless without steerage way. Could happen to anybody. Maybe. Only it didn't. I was there, Captain Weatherfield. I know what happened. And there's five of my crew left to back me up. They'll back up anything you say, Mr. Larson. You know that. Then there's nothing to talk about. When the Board of Inquiry gets through with Miller, he won't command another ship as long as he lives. So, there's not going to be any Board of Inquiry. Huh? Maybe that's not up to you. Which is what we're here to decide. I don't get it, Captain. Miller's a rat. He was the first one to jump when we come alongside. Anything that happens to him serves him right. Now, why should you stick up for him? My personal opinion of the man has nothing to do with this, Mr. Connolly. I say there'll be no bard of inquiry, because it suits my purposes that there be none. And uh, just what are your purposes, Captain? I drove my ship 90 miles off her course in a hurricane, risked my life in an open boat... Just for one reason, Mr. Larson. Because I knew you were registered out of New Bristol. Oh, so that's it. Aye, Mr. Connolly, that's it. I operated on a man, saved his life just so he could stand up alongside of me, have our pictures taken for the newspapers. <laughs> I get it. 
So you don't want some messy board of inquiry throwing scandal in the story of your noble rescue on the high sea, eh? You want to be a blasted hero. Mr. Larson, being a hero has got nothing to do with it. But I am planning to get a public apology out of the town of New Bristol. And you, or nobody else, is going to do anything to stop me. Yeah, well, it's too bad you haven't got the whole say about it, Captain. And it's too bad you're so bullheaded, sit on swearing away your captain's ticket, that you forced me to teach you a lesson. And just how are you aiming to do that? By knocking a little sense into your thick noggin, something like this. Uh, uh, so it's a fight you're after. Yeah. All right. Come on, Captain. Teach me a lesson. All right. Show him the one you learned in Shanghai. I'll teach you all right. You got it. You got it, Captain. Get up, Mr. Larson. Yeah. I'll get up. All right. He's got a pair of dividers. So you tried to stab me, would you? Well, Larson. What about it? All right. All right. I'm through. They're going to be a bard of... In Paris? No. no. I'll, I'll back up anything you say. Good. What about the rest of you? Anything I say go? Yes, yes sir. Yes, All right, then. Get back on watch. What do you think this is? A peaceful harbor of a Sunday? It was a clear, sunshiny day when we steamed into New Bristol Harbor and dropped anchor at the mouth of the river. Captain Weatherfield sent Miller on ashore at quarantine, <laughs> insisting that his reason was not just to make sure of having a reception ready. Nonetheless, he spent an hour and a half shaving, trimming his hair, and dressing up in his best shore-going clothes. Uh, but he had a right to strut a little at that. Eh, he'd moved through a whole series of tough jobs, every one against almost impossible odds, and he'd come out on top. And all because he wanted his daughters up in Maine to know he could do something once in a while besides punch people in the noggin. It was mid-afternoon by the time we finally rowed ashore in the long boat and a good-sized crowd had assembled on the wharf. And when we got in close, we could see Captain Miller waiting by the landing along with the a regular reception committee, all dressed up in striped pants and top hats like a, a bunch of foreign diplomats. And the head man of the whole layout was the same judge who'd given the captain seven days in jail. Easy now, Mr. Conley. Yeah. I'll hold it steady, sir. Thank you. Welcome, Captain Weatherfield, on behalf of the town of New Bristol. Well, now, it's mighty nice of you, Judge. Not at all, Captain. We're the ones who are honored. The whole town. And we want you to know it. Well, uh, thank you, Judge. Captain Miller here has given us the complete story. The rescue at sea, the daring operation that saved his life. Uh, here, here. How you feeling, Captain Miller? Mm, a little tired right now, Captain. Been pretty busy. Arranging things, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. You're a hero in this town, Captain Weatherfield. There's nothing too good for you. We're proud of you. I was wondering if you'd recall a little incident where we met before, Judge, uh, not so long ago. A terrible mistake. I'll never forgive myself. I feel I owe you a public apology, Captain Weatherfield. Well, now, don't believe I know just what to say, Judge. <laughs> <laughs> nothing at all to say, Captain Weatherfield. As I said before, we're the ones who are honored. The whole town of New Bristol. And all of New England, too, by Jove. 
But those reporters get their stories on the wire. Mm. <coughs> reporters, eh? Well, now, that's going to too much trouble, Judge. Oh, not at all, Captain, not at all. They'll be wanting an interview with you, you know. We've had quite a time keeping them off this long. You're a hero, man, don't you realize that? I only did my duty, Judge. The new Bristol needs more men who only do their duty, Captain Weatherfield. Mighty nice of you to say so. When I recall the way you were treated here a few weeks ago, Captain, well, all I can do is to ask your forgiveness publicly. I suspect that might be arranged, Judge. I'm not a man bear a grudge. A fact which your actions have proven, sir. Hmm. Uh, them there fellows with the cameras, are they reporters, well, are they? Oh, yes. Yes, indeed, Captain. Well, of course, they're photographers, really. They're taking them pictures to print in the newspapers, are they? That's right, Captain. They'll be seen by people all over the country. Mm-hmm. I suppose we might walk over that way? Certainly, Captain Weatherfield. Certainly, anything you like. Won't you join us, Captain Miller? Thanks, gentlemen. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking, if they print a picture of that ship out there, nobody will believe the story. What did you say, Captain Miller? I said they wouldn't believe it. To look at that old mud sky, you wouldn't think she could float in a calm sea, much less... Uh, Good heavens, he struck the man. I'll teach you to call my ship a mud sky. Squint-eyed son of a five-legged salamander. Stop, I say. Stop, ain't you? Stop it. Stop it. Constable. Constable. Arrest that man and look him up. I'm filing a charge of assault and battery. Escape, produced and directed by Norman MacDonald. Tonight brought you Habit by F.R. Buckley, adapted for radio by Les Crutchfield, with editorial supervision by John Dunkel. Featured in tonight's cast were John Daner as Mr. McConley and Louis Van Ruten as Captain Weatherfield, with Wilms Herbert as Captain Miller, Barry Kroger as the judge, and Bill Boucher as First Mate Larson. Special music by Ivan Dittmars. Next week, we escape with Rudyard Kipling's exciting story, The Man Who Would Be King. Good night, then, until this same time next week when once again we offer you Escape. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's Escape going back to July 18, 1948 with Habit, starring John Daner as heard on CBS. Let's take a break, then it's more on Hollywood 360. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. All right, Lisa, next week we'll be back here, right? Yes. Promise? Definitely. Well, I can't promise. All right, I'll try to bribe her to come back. <laughs> We're going to tune into The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, Pat Novak for Hire, The Cisco Kid, and Inner Sanctum Mysteries. From my co-host, Lisa Wolf, executive producer Mike Costella, national movie critic Sarah Adamson, Gloria Lombardi, who is with us, Vince Lombardi, my crabby brother, Vince Amari, Adam West, and me, Carl Amari. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. Hollywood 360 with host Carl Amari is brought to you by Reader's Digest. To learn more about Hollywood 360 or to contact us, visit our website at hollywood360radio.com. Adam West speaking.